It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 708, 32 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or perhaps want to avoid doing in your landscape. I can tell you all the plants that I've killed in order to gain the knowledge to advise you how to avoid that sad fate. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. Angel is with us from Duluth this morning. Hey, Angel. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, I have a um, avocado tree that my we had like a regular avocado right. that we took the seed out of my kids and I and planted it over eight years ago. And You're it's like kidding? Feet tall. No, it's like thirteen feet tall. We bring it in in the in the um, winter time and right. then we put it back out when spring hits. But I was wondering how you get it to fruit. I think you win the prize, Angel, for being the person who's had the longest lived avocado tree I've ever heard of. That's amazing. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah, we love it. It's really pretty. Um, and so the question is, how do you make? How do you get some avocados? Let it pay yeah. for its existence there. <sighs> Heavy, big, bright sunshine is the best thing you can give it, and you're doing as much as you can. It sounds like just by taking it yeah. outdoors on the patio and doing that. But there's not a spray that makes it bloom or some practice that makes it bloom. It's simply when it gets big enough and decides, okay, I'm ready to reproduce. Here are some flowers. And frankly, I don't even know what avocado flowers look like. Oh, I've never seen one either. Stuff on on uh, online. That's right. how I learned to keep it alive for so long. Huh? That is pretty awesome. Just to have the, I mean, just to have the plant this old is a success. Angel having avocados come off it is just gilding on the rose. So I don't know anything that would make it bloom other than the good environmental conditions that an avocado wants. And you're way beyond anybody else I've ever talked to. Most of them, most people call me and say, "I've got an avocado. It's one year old. It's about two feet high. <laughs> what do I do with it now?" Uh, yours is way beyond that, but again, I don't know what to do to make it bloom. Um, I guess I have to wait it out there, and I, I, I could probably only keep it for another three years because it won't. Hit, it's going to hit the ceiling soon. So <laughs> you could probably do a little pruning. I think that they're responsive to pruning; that they don't get uh, you don't get the feelings hurt when you prune a little bit. So heck, it could be another fifteen or twenty years, Angel, and maybe finally you'll get one little avocado, and that'll be the best tasting avocado <laughs> you have ever had in I your know, life. I know, right? <laughs> So Thank congratulations so on that. Keep doing Thank what you're doing. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Angel. We've got Molina in Covington, Georgia, who's with us this morning. Hey, Molina, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, I'd like to know how to um, get ferns growing in the woodland part of the property. Yeah. There are none out there now, but I would like to know the most economical way and the most prolific means to get it to grow and grow and grow. There's a saying in gardening saying that if you want to have a pretty garden, you could either spend time or spend money. And ferns and propagating them, it'll take a while to get ferns that are big enough for, the, for you to use. It'll take at least three years to get ferns big enough that you can plant them in the woods and they'll have a good chance of surviving. The other option is to take some money and buy some ferns and put them out there. And that's almost what I think is the best thing to do. I don't think propagating ferns is um, done by, by many of us as an amateur. I'll tell you how to do it, all right? 
I'll tell you how to do it. You can decide what you want to do, Melina. All um, right. Have you ever seen fern seeds? No, sir. All right. They used to believe that fern seeds would make you invisible. Shakespeare in one of his uh, plays says something about you have the receipt of fern seed. Ye are made invisible because nobody else has seen them either. But fern seeds are actually little brown dots on the backside, the underside of the fern fronds. So if you go to a fern that you have or maybe even go to a nursery and find a fern there and turn the fronds over and if it has a, if a fertile frond, it will have these little brown or black dots, little packets of spores on the backside of the leaf. So what you do is you get a mature fertile frond, you put it in a paper sack and let those um, um, sori, they're called, those little brown packs, explode. They'll open up and they'll release a whole bunch of very tiny powdery little um, uh, fern spores. You take those fern spores and put them on top of what I saw a guy do one time is he had a brick and a pan of water, just red clay brick, and it was just to the edge of the water line. The top of the brick was just to the edge of the water line. He kept it, the surface damp, but it was not in the water. And he spread the, the spores from his uh, sorry on top of this brick and covered it over with a piece of saran wrap and put it in a sunny window. And within four weeks, it seems like he said, you have these little bitty, bitty things, sort of heart-shaped, that are not ferns themselves, but they're the sexual organs of the fern. It will fertilize itself right there on top of the brick, and soon you'll have these little fernlets that will come up off the brick. This may have been nine or ten months later. And finally, he took those, divided them up with a pair of tweezers and stuck them in soil and had those in his greenhouse. That was another year to get them from one or two inches tall up to four or five inches tall. And the next spring, he was able to plant them outdoors. That's three years out of your life, Molina. You can go to a nursery and buy some ferns today for five or six dollars and you got ferns. So you decide. I think I'll go to the plant. The flat way. Let me give you an, a, a source of ferns that you might not have ever heard of, and that is the Georgia Perimeter College Native Plant and Fern um, Collection, I guess we'll call it. But you live in Covington, so that's not terribly far for you to come in on I-20 and come to Candler Road, take a left going down south on Candler Road to the uh, campus of What's it called? It used to be Perimeter College, but now it may have other official names for it. But the South Campus is on Panthersville Road. And right next to the campus, there is a huge, and again, not familiar to a lot of people, but a huge native plant uh, collection of plants and ferns, ferns from all over the world. It's been collected by a guy named George Sanko, who is sort of a revered figure in the uh, Atlanta and Georgia plant community. But George has this huge native plant collection, fern collection there, and they have plant sales pretty regularly during the spring and the summertime, and you could go down and get ferns for a couple of dollars from them. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with me this morning. So go online. Go online and just in Google or something, put Perimeter College Ferns or something like that, a very simple search term, and it'll come up with, I'm sure, with the native plant collection there at, uh, at Perimeter College. You can decide when the when the plant sales are and when they'll be um, convenient for you and go down and see them and tell them I said hello. That's exactly what I want you to do. Thanks for calling, Melina. Great question about the ferns. I think that's the only time I've ever explained how to make a fern make baby ferns. The little spores, the sori, the backside of the fertile frond. That's what we learn about today on Lawn and Garden. 716 at News Talk WSB. My friend Watson, the Roosevelt Highway Rogue, calls us this morning. Hey, Watson, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. How can I help, Watson? Oh, okay. I'm, I got the wild idea. I want to 
get myself up a cinnamon tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when can I get one, plant it, and uh, uh, we'll... Uh, can you make jelly out of those things or uh, anything out of the uh, ripe persimmons? Yeah, I know you, about make... the, you, you don't want to eat one unless it's real ripe. <laughs> you can make persimmon bread. I've had persimmon bread before. I have eaten Asian persimmons right straight off the tree, and there are at least a couple of Asian persimmon varieties that are just almost like an apple. They do not have that astringency that the American persimmon has when they're when they're green and not ripe. Do you have a a leaning towards uh, Asian persimmons or leaning towards American persimmons, Watson? Which would you rather have? Do I need more than one? For American persimmons, yes. You have to have a male, quote-unquote, male uh-huh. persimmon. And frankly, I don't think I've ever seen a persimmon offered for sale at a local nursery. I would think that uh-huh. people who propagate them have a little private sales. You have to sort of get in and know the list. And online, I'm sure there are places online that uh, sell persimmons, Asian as well as American persimmons, and some probably that have been grafted that they know are female. They'll give you the fruit that you want. I'm sorry, Walter. I can't hardly hear you. I'd say go online and uh-huh. just look buy persimmon, and then buy by putting B-U-Y, buy persimmons, you'll have a list of people who sell persimmon trees online, and they're usually bare root. They're shipped to you in a tube, and you plant them outside, and they will probably have a grafted female persimmon that they can sell for $20, $30, something like that. So that's what I would do, is just go online, get an American persimmon, and find one that is female. And usually there's enough pollen, most of the time, enough pollen from persimmons out of the woods to pollinate the female. But if you want to get two, and one being male, the other being quote-unquote female, then you can just specify that on the order blank. You want two of them of different sexes, and they'll take care of you. Or if you want to have an Asian persimmon that you can eat like an apple, Fuyu, F-U-Y-U, is the variety name of the Asian one that does not require a lot of pollination and seems to produce just fine for a lot of people. It's big, big, uh, two or three maybe inches high, two or three inches um, uh, wide as well. Asian persimmon, that's another option for you. Watson, i got to go. I see what time it is. It's 7.18, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today's the day. The morning is not going to be so much. I would do research, of course. Do research on the computer this morning because this morning's not going to be a time you want to get outside. This afternoon, a little bit more pleasant. Upper 50s, maybe by the afternoon. Rain coming, though. And overnight, the temperatures drop down into the low 50s, upper 40s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Joyce is out in Powder Springs and gets her turn. Joyce, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Glad to get to speak with you. How can I help, Joyce? Well, I have a Dracenia that is scraping the ceiling, hmm. and I was hoping you could tell me how maybe to reroute it, or <laughs> Re- I don't know if it needs a new home. Well, since we're talking about the ages of our clothes and ages of a nine-year-old avocado, how old do you think your Dracaena is? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Before you can remember, you're so old. Well, I won't talk about that. Our memory, we know, fades. Um, but bottom line, it's too tall. It's scraping the ceiling. What are we going to do with it? Um, 
Dracaenas are very easy to prune. They will re-sprout from whatever point you prune on the stalk. So if you wanted to, you could prune it down to two, three feet, something like that, and just let it re-sprout. If you give it some sunshine, it'll re-sprout pretty easily. You could take it out on a little shady porch or deck or something during the summertime. Rerooting the top it's hardly worth it. I don't think you'll be able to root the top. You can cut it into sections, little three-inch sections with a, a node in each one and lay them into damp sand, and they will probably root. But what are you going to do with 15 little sections of Dracaena that are rooted in your kitchen window? Not much. I think that I would simply cut it off, throw away the top, and let the bottom sprout and be your new Dracaena. Okay. The lower part is kind of ugly. <laughs> Ooh, how ugly are we talking here? Well, we go up maybe three feet before we've, we mm. we have any uh, leaves, and some of the lower leaves are they they've shown neglect. <laughs> you know, I'm going to refer to your Dracaena as clothing Joyce. We hate to throw <laughs> away things that are comfortable. You know, Scott wearing something that's 1986, 14, 20, almost 30 years old. Ashley and I wearing old clothes this morning. You get attached to them and you don't want to throw them away because they're so comfortable and your Dracaena is old, old, old. But honestly, Dracaenas make excellent compost. And Pike has Dracaenas for sale, I'm sure, this weekend. You can go down and get a pretty little Dracaena, put it in your house, and not worry about it, not worry about rooting and pruning and all this other stuff. Make some Dracaena compost, get a new plant. That's what I think you ought to do. Okay, okay. And for the lady that was looking for the ferns, I'd like to give out an advertisement for the Native Plant Society. Of course, the Georgia Native Plant Society. And uh, we can talk about the seminar that's coming up. In fact, I will try to have that, Joyce, in the next um, segment of the show and tell everybody about the Georgia Native Plant Society, their plant rescues, as well as the seminar that's coming up later. So I'll do that in just a few minutes. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. And we'll be back right after news. Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning, still 32 degrees outside. Not much going on traffic-wise, icing-wise, bad weather-wise, bad driving-wise here in the metro. But north at Georgia, up Dawsonville and beyond, you've heard, of course, Tim and, and uh, Charlie this morning have been reporting on that. If you have an, a place that you just run over somewhere in the metro area, then let us know. Be sure and call us and tell us where it is so we can warn other drivers to be careful around that area. 404-872-0750 gets you in not only to give us warnings about driving, but also to ask garden questions. And that's our business this morning, garden questions and the WSB McDonald's weekend prize pack. Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between two and seven which will determine who wins a family four-pack of tickets to the Gwinnett Gladiators versus the Florida Everblades on March the 8th at the arena at Gwinnett Center, plus a pair of tickets to the Bud Light Concert Series featuring Brian Adams on April 17th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, produced by ASO 
presents. Ashley Frasca, who's going to win these tickets? Caller number three. Caller number three. Easy to do. 404-741-0750. Caller number three. 404-741-0750. Barbara, she's in Canton this morning and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I want to know where I can find milkweed seeds. I have a butterfly bush with right. lots of butterflies on it in the summertime, but I never see a monarch, and I think monarchs need milkweed. Absolutely, and you're to be congratulated for being you know, up to the minute on that, because monarch butterfly populations seem to have declined pretty drastically in the last four or five years, and one of the causes for that is there not enough milkweeds growing in the United States, in Georgia, in Atlanta, and so you're going to add to the population, hopefully, of monarch butterflies. So that said, where do you get milkweed seeds? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that I've ever seen them on one of the seed racks at a nursery, a pike, or any no, place like that. <laughs> I very likely, if I were looking for monarch uh, for the milkweed seeds, I would very likely just go online. Go online okay. to eBay or, or Amazon, one or the other. It's amazing some of the things that are for sale, plants and hybrids and all sorts of things on eBay. You just don't think of that as being a nursery source, but mm -hmm. I've bought things before. I bought a bunch of uh, a particular seed that I wanted two years ago on eBay. Mm -hmm. It worked just fine. It worked just fine. So that's what you do. Look for it, look okay. for it online. I don't think you're going to find milkweed seeds in the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, I'll tell you, Barbara, I promised a minute ago that I would talk a little bit about the Georgia Native Plant Society, and they very well might have milkweed plants started. I don't know that they will, but they might. They have a big plant sale coming up. And Actually, let me get the details out here. I have it on my little uh, pad here. They have the Native Plant Symposium. It comes March the 7th. They have uh, Georgiana Smalls, who's a wonderful speaker about birds. Herbs of the Civil War by Patricia Howell, uh, Native Plants of Georgia, what we've learned mm -hmm. so far about the native po uh, uh, populations in Georgia. All this comes up for the Georgia Native Plant Society Symposium on March the 7th. They also have a native plant sale. Let me see. Get that tab right there. Open it back up. And that is on uh, April 18th at McFarland Park. Open to the public. They have bunches and bunches of native azaleas, but they also have other native plants. And their website for more details, www.gnps, Georgia Native Plant Society, gnps.org. Okay. And so that, that would be worth a, worth a visit, Barbara, to see if they don't have milkweed already mm -hmm. growing, little pots of milkweed that sell for a few dollars for their plant sale. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very helpful. All right, then. Thank you. Make those monarchs happy. Give them something to eat. Thanks for calling, Barbara. Mm -hmm. Robert is in Cumming, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Robert, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. How can I help? I want to see about growing some bamboo as a barrier between my house and the street. I've got a, It's about 100 feet from my house. Yeah. And then I've got a large area between... Um, my backyard and the street in which I want to grow it, um, but I can't find it anywhere for sale. Uh, my my blood sort of ran cold, Robert, when you said you wanted to plant bamboo because so many calls that I get are from people who say, I want to get rid of bamboo. Somebody right. planted it five years ago and it's all over the place now. So my question is, how are you going to keep your bamboo from spreading? Before I tell well, you how to get bamboo, how are you going to keep it from spreading into your neighbor's yard? I've read about your bamboo barriers, and I was planning on putting some, uh, digging the trench and putting the uh, barriers in. All right. If you promise that that is going to be what you're going to do, 
<clears throat> this is another situation that in Atlanta, some of the smaller nurseries, Randy's Nursery over in Lawrenceville, um, who else might have one? Scottsdale Farms up in Milton. Possibly Garden Hood may have a few down in uh, Grant Park. I don't believe I've ever seen a bamboo for sale at Pike Nursery, but it's certainly worth a try to call off the nursery closest to you there in Cumming, Robert, and see if they have bamboo for sale. Uh, but if you know, if you just run out of leads and can't find anybody with bamboo in Georgia, there are again online plenty of people who'll sell two or three foot high uh, bamboo plants, and you can buy those and have them shipped to you. Now I read somewhere about sprouting. Can I dig up or chop off a, a uh, branch of bamboo and lay it sideways and plant it in the ground? I've read something about that. You have to time it just right. It has to be the right maturity, and I frankly don't know what that is to tell okay. you how to do it. If you okay. found someplace online, they know much more than I do about planting bamboo, and I know what you mean by laying it on its side, sort of half-covered in dirt, letting it sprout from the cane, but right. I frankly don't know anything about that. Okay, well, thank you, sir. Put that barrier in. You promised right. Yes, You're sir. going to put a barrier in place. Okay, all right, good. Yes, let us know what happens, Robert. We'd be love to hear from you in five years and see if you've changed your mind about that bamboo. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Margaret is in Roswell, and Margaret joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Margaret, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. How can I help you? I have a couple of fig trees that have overgrown, and I need to know if I can cut them back and what I can fertilize them with. How big are they now, Margaret? Oh, about eight feet tall. And you want to cut them back because why? Well, they're getting kind of straggly. <laughs> I think that's the nature of a fig tree. They don't—they're not the most beautiful landscape landscape um, uh, addition in the world. Here's the problem that I see with pruning a fig. I see this commonly, and that is it gets too big for the place that you have it between the garage and the house, and so every year you have to prune it back, but. Pruning a fig is problematic because it shocks them into what's called juvenile growth. When you prune it back severely, it shocks them back into juvenile growth. And juvenile growth rarely has many figs on it. And so people have very you know, minimal fig harvest from their figs because they've had to prune it back to keep it in shape between the garage and the house. So I wish that you had a situation or a place that you could even transplant this fig to to let it grow un pruned, unencumbered each year, and then you'll have plenty of figs on it. Well, I can leave it where it is. It will be all right where it is in my yard, but do I need to fertilize it? I didn't have many figs last year. I think the cold weather probably caused that, not lack of fertilizer. Tell you what, though, I understand that you want it to be a little more attractive and not so scraggly and sprangly in the landscape. There's nothing wrong with cutting off some of the tips of branches when, let's see, when growth begins, that'll be around the end of March. You'll see little buds that'll pop up all, all up down the uh, limbs. So somewhere around the middle to the first of March, cut off about six inches off of a bunch of the limbs of the tree, just the tip six inches. And what'll happen is within the four or five inches of that cut point, you'll have two or three sprouts that'll come out, each of which will have leaves, each of which will make it look a lot more dense, have more foliage on it. And I think that will thicken it up and make it look a lot prettier. And maybe I'll have more figs that way? And maybe you'll have more figs, because you know what I say, leaves make fruit, leaves make sugar. Leaves are the thing that catches the sunshine, that makes the sugar, that makes the fruit. You may well have more figs. 
Okay, thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Margaret. Thanks for calling. 7.44 on a Saturday morning. we got Mark online. Mark is in Kingston and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Thanks a lot. How um, can I help? I have a handful of hardwoods, maybe five or six hardwoods, that look like somebody has come by and just drilled three sixteenths to quarter-inch holes and sap is running out and it's running down the trunk. And where it has run down the trunk, it's just black as pitch. Sure. Right now, and there are hundreds it. of listeners who immediately have put their hand up in the air and said, I know what Mark has. All right. If you're driving on 285 or 85, just honk your horn to congratulate yourself because you've already diagnosed what Mark has, and I'm going to diagnose it for him, too. Sap suckers. That's exactly okay. what you have, Mark. They're little okay. woodpecker that, birds, and they I suck sap. I looked it up in it, in, in, in it online, and it did say that, but I didn't think we had sap suckers. Oh, my gosh, area. yes. Oh, I my gosh. we got sap suckers everywhere in Atlanta. They're yeah. coming, migrating through right now. And uh, I saw them at my suet feeder yesterday, so I saw sap suckers not pecking on my cherry tree, but <laughs> at yeah. my suet feeder. Well, I, and, have, uh, I have some tremendous white oaks that yeah. I just hate the thoughts of losing. Is this danger to Not at any all. Of them? Not Pardon? at all. The only time that it's a danger is on plants that, I want to say, that bleed a lot, that have a lot of sap in them, including okay. uh, maples and maybe river birch in there, but mostly maple, that I see yeah. that sap suckers will poke holes in it and they'll lick yeah. the sap. That doesn't hurt the tree particularly at all. Yeah. But their friend, yeah. Mr. Squirrel, is over down around the ground and saying, what is that? What is that bird doing to that maple tree? I need to go up there and see what's going on. The squirrel yeah. comes up to the little hole the bird has pecked and says, mmm, this tastes good. And the squirrel starts <laughs> gnawing on the branch, and they can girdle the entire branch or the entire trunk of a tree. Squirrels then coming in after the sapsucker, that is what can cause damage to a tree. That is what kills trees sometimes, not always, but yeah. it's a possibility. If you saw lots of bark being scraped off and sometimes little teeth marks on the uh, trunk of the tree underneath the bark, that's squirrel damage. And squirrels certainly okay. definitely I think I have a little in. bit of that. All right. Because there's chunks of bark that are gone and uh, looks, looks kind of yeah. roughed up. This might be one of those times when I would use tree tar, you know, the tree wound dressing, not as a wound oh. dressing, but just as a repellent to get the squirrels yeah. to say, ooh, this tastes nasty. This tastes like tar here. I don't want that. Okay. Um, and that would keep the squirrels from, from gnawing on your tree trunk. But sapsuckers themselves, their damage seems never to hurt. I've seen them on pecan trees. Oh, there's thousands of holes, uh, magnolias, lots of trees. That rarely do I see any damage from the bird itself. We all... We also have a, a, a beaver, so I don't <laughs> <laughs> Now you got big problems. Um, yeah. Fortunately, he's, he likes flowering ligustrum and comes across the front yard and yeah. cuts it down, drags it down to the river. Right. So, if you have anything okay. that you just, it would break your heart to lose to the beaver coming and dragging it down, uh, wrap, it, wrap the trunk with uh, four-foot-high chicken wire, two or three wraps around the trunk on any tree that you just would not like the beaver to have and protect it that way. That's the best advice I have because trying to repel the beaver, trap the beaver, shoot the beaver, you know, all those things are more problematic than simply protecting the trees you don't want the beaver to have. Thanks for calling, Mark. i got to get out of here. It's 648, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. 
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be sort of chilly this morning. Not so bad this afternoon if the clouds move out of the way. Highs today in the, well, we call it the low 50s, mid 50s perhaps. Slim chance of a shower. Rain comes later on and the temperatures don't fall too much into the upper 40s probably. Have your full weekend forecast coming up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget tomorrow, Sunday, pick up a copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They're going to have a special report on the inflated costs. Now we learn connected to building new football and baseball stadiums here in Atlanta. Inflated costs, some of those seem like they might involve our tax money, tax dollars. We need to get that from the AJC Sunday edition. Henry is in Marble Hill and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Henry, good morning. Hi, Walter. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How can I help, Henry? Always a pleasure speaking with you, sir. It's uh, actually my second time talking to you. <laughs> um, I'm a truck driver. Yeah. Uh, and uh, basically what's going on is my mom brought me some uh, fruit tree seeds from the Dominican Republic. Okay. And uh, one of them is avocado. The second one is sour sop. Right, sure. And the third one is guava. Hmm. Okay, and what's your question? Well, I'm, I don't know if the avocado, uh, it's, it's ready to be picked in the autumn time in the Dominican Republic. Right. During cold season. But can I plant that outside in Marble? I mean, here in Georgia? None of them. None will survive winter outside in Georgia, guava, nor soursop, nor avocado. <clears throat> we had a caller early this morning who had an avocado that was several years old that she brought in and out, and she had never gotten fruit. And her question was, how do I make it fruit? And my answer was, you can't make it. It just does if it gets the right environment. And you are, I don't believe, going to be able without a greenhouse, Henry, to have any success getting fruit from guava, avocado, or soursop. Okay, okay. Well, we do actually do. We, my, actually, my mom did uh, build a, a, a big old uh, uh, greenhouse uh, where she keeps all her uh, other fruit trees. Yeah. But she brought me these seeds as a present, and I didn't know. And I figured, let me call Walter because I know he'll know. <laughs> <laughs> try, try to see. I mean, that's one of the ways that gardeners grow and learn and just get a little more insight into how plants behave. I would try it and see, Henry. I don't think you're going to have any success taking them to maturity, but even just the process of getting them to sprout in your mom's greenhouse, that's going to be educational. That's going to be fun to do, and you may learn something along the line. And call me for your third time to call the Lawn and Garden Show. That'll be fine. But again, outdoors, none of them are going to do very well at all. Thanks for calling, Henry. Next half hour, we'll have Mark to talk about his sassafras tree, transplanting a little bit of that. Karen wants to know about her magnolia limbs that are broken down and what to do about it. And Tom in Taylorsville has some tips for growing an avocado. So we'll talk to them in the next half hour. At 7.58, you're listening to Lawn and Garden. She's so strong, she's like-